welcome back to the Kimberly Lovey podcast. I am joined by my gorgeous supermodel friend, Abby Cleary, and she just gave birth. How long ago, Abby? One month. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yesterday was his month, month birthday. Oh my goodness. So Abby is my neighbor and she is kind enough to come and basically just remind all of us what it's like to have a newborn baby. Yes. This is your second baby. How old is your first baby? He is 22 months, so almost two. Oh my goodness. So you have your hands full, sister? Yes. How, by the way, if you guys saw this woman, she literally, I turned to her this morning, I said, how do you look like you do after just having a baby like weeks ago? Like she literally looks like a supermodel and she's like, oh, you know, I should have seen me when I woke up this morning (laughs) or Sunday morning. (laughs) So little baby Owen is here with us, you guys, and it's his first podcast. Welcome baby. He's sleeping in a little carrier. He looks so cute. Like literally makes your ovaries hurt. He is the cutest baby. So tiny. So tiny. How how big was he when he was born? He was six and a half pounds. Oh. And we were shocked. I was like, did I do something wrong in my pregnancy? Why is he so little? How, but how big was Ford? He was seven pounds, 12 ounces. Oh. So not huge, but much bigger than, than six and a half. But we're almost at nine now, so we're making up for it. Wow. Way yeah. to go. Okay. So as you guys know, I am also carrying baby three now and I'm starting to get to that point like I just hit the third trimester and you know when the Mm -hmm. first two trimesters are all about you and right you know how just just you basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) how you feel and all of that stuff like once that 28 week mark hits and you're officially like the app is like welcome to the third trimester I'm like (gasps) like that's when you start like it gets real right because it almost doesn't seem real in the first two especially when they're not kicking or moving and you're like okay logically I know I'm pregnant but I can't feel anything I look a little different not that much different and then yeah once you hit the third trimester the apps are like baby's almost here I'm like okay <laughs> totally totally so I had that moment and um so let's see today I'm like 28 weeks and five days oh wait here look see 28.5 baby three girl little bump though <sighs> Yeah, but I'm still, okay, I've held flat. I don't know if you heard before. So I actually had gotten in trouble for gaining too much weight this time, too fast. Oh, But really? the last couple weeks, I didn't gain anything. So tomorrow is my my appointment, which I'm really just dubbing my way in because right. let's be real. Like, I'm just, I just don't want to be yelled at again by my doctor. So anyway. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So I gained the last two pregnancies. I had only gained 24 and 25 pounds. And then... Oh. This pregnancy, I've already gained 30. Okay. 30. And I'm like almost 29 weeks. That's like, doesn't sound as bad, but. No, I gained 45 with my first. But you're like really skinny and the skinny girls need more. Yeah. And I ate everything in sight. I was like, I'm pregnant. I had all this time because I didn't have a toddler and all I did was stuff my face. It was so fun. That's so awesome. And okay. So that was with Ford. You gained 45 pounds. Mm -hmm. And then how, how much did you gain with him? I think like 30 to 35. Did you start with, did you start heavier? Like you're starting? Yeah. I think I started about five pounds heavier. And I think like, you know, when you are chasing a little one around, you don't, think about food all the time it's more just like you're kind of grabbing stuff and you don't have this eating their leftover mac and cheese right and you're not just (laughs) sitting there like what can I order on DoorDash right now at 9 p.m you know yeah I know I totally know and um but now it looks like you've already lost all your weight I haven't but but you look so good 
I can't button any of my pants. Still, I don't know but... if I. I don't know if I should be friends with you, like for like a couple months after I get. Well, just, that's why it's good. It's winter. We'll all be wearing sweatpants still. I know. If anyone wants to send me really cute sweatpants, I'm down for that. Yes. Um, anything that kind of looks like real clothes, but is actually more mm-hmm. like that's pajama leaning, stretchy, stretchy. Yes, loose, stretchy, cozy. Okay, so. Abby grew up on a farm. Can you please enlighten the people? What on earth? Yeah, so my family is in the citrus business. So I grew up on a 40-acre orange grove, basically, which we didn't have animals or anything, but it was really fun. I was outside all the time. You know, my my uncle hunted. We were very, like, outdoorsy people, and it was a really cool childhood. So it's it's interesting for me to now live in a suburb, and there's neighbors and like kids in the street and I think it's so fun because it's so different than how I grew up so and what city was that in in Fort Pierce Florida which you've probably never heard of it's about an hour north of West Palm Beach if you've heard of that two hours north of Miami smallish town but it was it was really nice okay and do you have any siblings yes I have one brother he's older and he still lives in Florida okay is he manning the farm he is not. He's actually, he works for Apple, so he's more of a techie person. No one really followed in the footsteps. My uncle mainly ran that, and my dad kind of works in citrus too, but I don't think anybody's going to take over the uh, the family grove business. Oh, too bad. I know. I feel like that's like sad. probably a really good business to be in. Yeah, it's cool, but I think it's just kind of fizzling out. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's very different. I don't think I've ever met anyone that's actually from a farm. And it's funny because where we live now is like so quiet and serene, Mm -hmm. but it's funny because you're like, oh, this is like what I always wanted. Neighbors. (laughs) Right. I thought, I thought it was so cool when I would go to friends' houses when I was younger and I was like, oh my gosh, neighborhood kids just come over. Like people don't have to drive over. You can just spontaneously have a play date with your friends. How cool. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a small town. And so, okay, so how did you end up way out here on the West Coast? Yeah, so I actually, I moved here for my husband, Sam, when I went to University of Florida. Mm -hmm. And then when I graduated, I actually moved to New York and started modeling. So then I was kind of all over the world for a couple years. And I would spend a couple months in Italy, a couple months in London, you know, in in different places. So then I actually met Sam when we were both in London for the first time. He was there playing tennis and I was there modeling. And we dated long distance for a while. And then inevitably he was like, why don't you just move here? And I said, okay. And that's that's how we ended up in LA. And then um, in March of this year, actually, we decided the suburb life was more for us. City okay, life. so you were like a real model, not like an Instagram model. Like was, there was an agency. Before you had to write your Instagram handle at a casting, I modeled. Oh my God. That's like legit modeling. And so, oh, can you tell the people, so who, who exactly is your husband? Okay, so my husband plays tennis professionally. His name is Sam Query. So that's, that's him. So he is a world famous tennis pro. And it's so funny because when you guys moved here, you know, I personally don't know anything about tennis, but right. he told me that he grew up out here. And so I he grew up in was, Thousand Oaks. Yes. That is so cool. There's a lot of professional athletes and celebrities and stuff that grew up out here. Yeah. There's a couple other tennis players actually that are from the Thousand Oaks area as well. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. 
Okay, so then you marry a professional tennis pro. And so where does that take you on your journey? Do you start traveling with him? Like, what does that life look like? Tell us. We're just, yes. we're regular people. We <laughs> want to hear about the sexy life of, of a traveling tennis pro. And I actually didn't think it was so glamorous at the time. And now that I'm like, have spit up in my hair and, <laughs> you know, I'm waking up all hours of the night and drowning in diapers. I'm like, wow, that was really cool what we used to do. <laughs> Um, and kind of the pandemic has affected that as well. But yeah, after we had been dating just about a year, which I look at now and I'm like, that was nuts that you just kind of dropped a lot of things and started traveling with this person that you'd known for a year. We kind of came to the decision that like, you know, if I kept modeling and I was going to all these different cities and traveling all the time and he was traveling for tennis, we were really never going to see each other. So it was kind of like a, if, if this relationship is going to work. Somebody has to sacrifice mm -hmm. their job, and it obviously wasn't going to be him. He's a little more successful than me. Yeah, we just, I mean, we spent like eight months of the year on the road traveling to all these different cities in the U.S. internationally. So we were just, you know, gone all the time. We'd be gone for two weeks, home for one. And I think when you're in the midst of that, you think to yourself like, oh, I just wish I had a normal life and I was home. And then once you have that normal life, it's amazing. But you're like, oh, I haven't been on a plane in a long time. And that was kind of like a really cool, really cool life that we lived where we were just exploring and we were with all of our friends, you know, who are on the tour and their wives. And so it was just, it was constant travel and kind of exhausting, but it was, I mean, really cool. A lot of the, the tennis cities, you know, you're in Rome, you're in London, you're in Paris, you're in Melbourne, Australia, you're in Shanghai. So you really get to go just everywhere within the course of a year. Wow, that's crazy. So how was the community? Like, it sounds like you were able to foster friendships. Is he on a team? He's a, tennis is an individual sport, but you, you know, you see the same people at most of the tournaments. And, you know, some of Sam's best, best friends are also on the tour. And, He's, you know, mostly spends time with the American guys um, and their wives are all really, really nice and, and good friends of mine. So it was, you know, pretty fun because you'd go to all these places and, you know, you're just the guys are practicing or playing all day and you kind of got to explore and, you know, hang out with your friends. So it was pretty, pretty cushy looking back. That's awesome. Yeah, because it would be pretty lonely to have to travel without kind of having some friends. So yeah. it sounds like you're able to foster a community of people. And when you were traveling, were you traveling with anybody? Was it just you guys traveling and then you meet up with people? Like, how does that go down? Yeah, we would travel with Sam's, like if he had a coach at the time or a physiotherapist um, who he travels with all the time. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, you know, if, if the wives didn't go, you were just at dinner with a bunch of guys. So that well, could be a like little my old job. That could be a little <laughs> hard. I remember in the beginning, I just didn't talk at dinner because I was like, "Well, all these I can't talk about football because I don't know anything about that, and all these people have known each other for like ten plus years." And in the beginning, here I'm coming in and I'm like, "I can't take part in any of these conversations." These are essentially business dinners, right, for your husband. So you don't want to say the wrong thing. They wouldn't sound like business dinners if you were there. But I just didn't have anything to, you know, add. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the wives and girlfriends of most of the guys are, are really nice because everybody's kind of in the same place. You know, they're all traveling. They don't have, you know, people with them. So everybody's kind of, I mean, most of the girls were super friendly and nice and everybody's kind of 
looking for people to hang out with. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. was good. That's awesome. I feel like that'd be very intimidating initially, especially if you oh, weren't yeah. married yet. Like, are mm -hmm. they judging you and all that kind of stuff? You know, I don't think there was ever an example where I could, you know, confirm, okay, this person was definitely judging me. But I do think because, you know, with anybody's girlfriends, there's some turnover, right, <laughs> with people. So maybe girls didn't get as close to people if you're like, okay, they might not be here next week or mm -hmm. next year. So I, I do think like once I was engaged, married, I felt a little bit more yeah. stable, like, okay, I'm I'm here to stay. People don't think that I'm going to like disappear next week. Mm -hmm. um, but, but no outward actual judgment. Yeah. Got it. That's so cool. And so where did you guys get married? So we got married in Fort Pierce, actually, in my uncle's backyard, which Aww. my parents and my aunt and uncle live on the same 40-acre grove, and I've always wanted to get married there. So we had a really small wedding, 45 people, in 2018, and it was just – it was perfect because uh -huh. we weren't big wedding people. We yeah. just wanted to do something small and quiet and even, like – because at that time we traveled so much mm -hmm. the week before we were in Paris and we both looked at each other and Sam was like, are you excited for our wedding? And I was like, no. And he's like, me either. <laughs> and I was, don't say that, Sam. Like, how can you say that? But we were just so tired from traveling all the time that it seemed so exhausting. Okay, now we have to go to Florida and get married. Like, but we ended up having the best time and afterwards both said, okay, that was that was way better than we expected. I'm glad we did that. Oh my gosh. I totally understand that. In my past job, I used to travel every week too. And all the things you just said about just the grind and the dinners and the being, you know, coming home, like, I don't think after I quit my job, Abby, I don't think I traveled for like three years because yeah. I just wanted to be in my bed. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter, you know, when you don't travel all the time, like, I don't know where you were staying. I assume really nice hotels. And I got to stay at really nice hotels too, right? Mm -hmm. So initially you're like, this is great. I'm staying at the Ritz-Carlton in Paris or wherever you are, right? Right. But it's like just another hotel after a while, It's right? living out of a suitcase. It's eating every meal out. You know, it, it sounds so spoiled if it hasn't been something that you've done. But when you are on the road and you're going, 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 it is really exhausting. And you get home and you're in your own bed and you're so happy to be there. There's nothing better. Like, it's It's like the most incredible feeling to be in your own bed. Oh, I can't tell you how many times Sam and I have laid down in our own bed and been like, isn't this so nice to be in your own bed? Oh, I and, totally And waking up and making scrambled eggs in the morning somehow is just like the best. It's funny because it's like also this sounds really <laughs> not relatable either, but this was after our honeymoon actually. But um, I was like, wait, I have to get up and go make my own coffee, <laughs> right? I'm not just walking downstairs and it's there. I'm so confused. This is like this is yeah. So anyway, it is. It's definitely a grind to be on the road. It's fun, absolutely. But it gets old, and then it's interesting that you guys had such. I don't know if it's glamorous or fast paced or whatever that kind of word is for that was one chapter and so now so then you get married and then how long after do you guys have kids so we had Ford in February of 2020 so we got pregnant about a year after we got married so you know in that year we traveled a lot I I traveled a ton when I was pregnant up until like you know I think our last trip we came home in January and I 
beginning of January and I gave birth February 19th. So we were still going, going. And I was actually, you know, my whole life plan was to travel everywhere with Ford once he was born. But then the pandemic hit and we had all these restrictions with tournaments and we kind of, you know, tried to travel a little bit. But if if you're kind of locked in a hotel room with a, a mobile baby, it's not it's not so fun. So I I ended up halting my travel much sooner than I expected because I thought I would do what all the other tennis wives with children did, which was they still go everywhere, you know, but because COVID hit, we kind of stopped that. So it's like that that chapter of my life kind of ended without me playing, like I wasn't ready for it to end. Mm. And now that I have a second baby and, you know, COVID is still around, I'm like, wow, that I, I just didn't expect for that to end so abruptly and when it did because, you know, we'll still try to go a few places, but with two, it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it really is. And so is he supposed to be traveling soon? He is. Of- he's going to Australia in January. Oh, my goodness. Um, but that, you know, they're so strict there. I thought for about five minutes, like, okay, we're packing up all the kids and we're going. We're not going to be apart. And then realized that was a terrible idea. So we won't be doing that. But yeah, he'll be he'll be there. And then he, he still travels a decent amount. I think he'll kind of lessen it now that he has babies and doesn't want to be gone as much. But he's still he still does quite a bit. Wow. That is so crazy. That is really crazy. Okay, so now I want to talk to you. Thank you for sharing all of that, by the way, the background. So I'm starting to get nervous. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This baby's coming. And I don't know. I don't. Okay. So this is what I want to ask you about, too. And this, you know, for anybody out there, too, that is pregnant right now, it's like, I don't, I think it's because of the pandemic that it's it's adding a layer of stress that I didn't have before. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm starting to have nerves about the actual delivery and, like, is it going to be safe, like, from a COVID perspective? And is the nursing staff going to be good quality staff because you know the labor shortage and then you Mm -hmm. I've been hearing nightmares about labor stories and things like that so how was it delivering in like a quasi-covid world like was it any different are you allowed to bring guests or visitors I think you were allowed to have one visitor we didn't just because you know it would have been my mom who came to stay with my my other son Ford but I don't think she could have brought Ford so there wasn't really like a point to that it was pretty normal. I remember worrying before. I was like, I'm not going to know what my nurses look like. Like, I'm not going to see their faces because you kind of look to your labor nurses to be a little bit of a comfort during that time. And I was like, I can only see their eyes. I'm going to hate that. But it actually was fine. I didn't have to wear a mask while I was pushing, which I was also really worried about. I was like, there's no shot I can go through this whole process with a mask on my face, I'm going to be so claustrophobic. But since, you know, we're vaccinated, we didn't have to wear it at that end time. I would say it was pretty normal. Okay. And so leading up to the pushing, did you have to wear a mask? Initially, you wore it when the nurses came in and then you could take it off. But they kind of stopped caring if you, you know, if they walked in the room and you were had it off, they didn't say anything. I don't know how it will be at your hospital, but... I, I wasn't too worried because I know that everybody's, they're so safe. The rooms are so sanitized. You know, there's signs everywhere about it. You know, they're checking people's vaccination status when they're coming into the hospital. I think, 
I think they actually just stopped testing the, you know, the pregnant women and their partners, but I think they were originally testing people as soon as they got into the hospital. I was going to ask you that. Did you have to provide proof of vaccination or a COVID test? We didn't have to provide a COVID test. I think when you walk into Los Robles now, they ask you to see it. So we showed it then, but it, it was pretty normal and I, I wasn't super worried and maybe I should have been super worried about contracting it, but it, it all felt very sterile and safe and, and good. So that was nice. Okay. That's, that's positive. And then do they discharge you quicker? You know what? I don't think so. We stayed two nights, which was what we did with my, my other son. We delivered in a different hospital because we were in Santa Monica before but I didn't feel like they tried to push you out. And you really, we like never saw anyone else. I know there were a lot of other families there that had given birth because mm -hmm. they said they were super busy, but we never saw another soul the whole time we were there. Wow. Okay. And also, here's another question. Is it obnoxious to have a baby shower after you've already had one? Did you have a baby shower for Owen? I didn't, but I don't think it's obnoxious. Especially because baby stuff changes so fast that probably everything you had with your kids, there's there's something new and allegedly better. And, you know, you did you save your clothes? Did you save all your stuff? I did. We saved okay, a lot smart. of stuff. However, a lot of the stuff, like the baby, baby stuff that is gender neutral, mm -hmm. we gave to my sister for my right. nephew. And so we don't have another baby girl. So we have a lot of like little girl dresses and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, you know, onesies and things like that, like they're, you know, like the more of the basics that you need immediately, like right. fresh jammies, fresh onesies, fresh and, socks. And that stuff gets so ruined too. It does because they have their stage. blowouts and everything. Blowouts and spit up and <laughs> you don't really have the energy to be stain, stain treating everything and spot removing oh, at no. that time. So you just kind of throw, throw it, it in out. It comes out stained. Oh yeah, like, comes oh, out stained. Right. Exactly, exactly. And then you don't even want to pass it on to the next baby because you're no. like, you deserve better. I saved some stuff from Ford and Did I was you? taking it out and looking mm -hmm. at it. And my thought at the time was, whatever, he'll, the next baby will stain it too. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking at how gross some of it is and I was like, okay, you have to throw this out. Like, you can't put another child in this. So I think you should have one. Yeah, I might. I might. I just, Brian is so funny because I said to him, you know, I wanted to have a baby shower, but now thinking of all the work, I don't know if uh, I want to yeah, do someone it. Someone needs to throw it for you. So someone listening to this, one of your friends, needs to step up and throw you your baby shower. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, no, Brian, like speaking of men, like just bless our husbands. We have great husbands, by the way, but I just have to say it's so funny because he's like, oh, you just you just bring like 10 friends over and like get some champagne and you know, you don't have to make it a big thing. And I'm like, Oh, how little you understand. No, but your whole house <laughs> has to be clean and decorated and you have to feed people when you invite them to your house. So it's, it's a big undertaking when you're in your third trimester and you have two kids. Yeah. And I just don't know if we're going to be, I don't know if I have the energy for it, Abby. Okay. So are there any products that are new that I have to add to my registry or that any of us listening have to get or be aware of that you've been like, oh my God, I needed this so badly. This is great. Well, I don't know what they had when you had your kids. Did you have the snoo? It was out, but I didn't use it. We have that. I'm my. Some people really don't like it because they want babies to learn to self-soothe, which obviously is important, but 
at the same time, like you just want your sleep. And I think that worked really well for us with Ford. And we've used that again with Owen. We have this, it's called the Kikaroo peanut changer, like the changing pad. And it's, it's rubber or silicone or something so that like, if there's a blowout, if there's an accident on it, you're not like, it's not soaking wet and you're changing this pad in the middle of the night because you just wipe it clean. I think that one's oh, great. Okay. Um, we have this little lounger pillow called the Snuggle Me that we just set on the counter and he sleeps in. And obviously you watch them to make sure they're breathing, but that's great. Um, the snoo, does that go, is the baby sleeping in your room next yes. to you? It's just a bat, it's like a, I guess like a smart bassinet. So it kind of rocks them. Yep. And then it senses when they're crying and rocks them harder, which sometimes makes them go back to sleep, sometimes doesn't. You know, it's not going to soothe them back to sleep if they wake up starving. And then it also, it looks like a straight jacket. So if you don't have kids and you see that someone's put their baby in this, you're probably wondering, what is this thing? But it keeps them, like it's a swaddle, but it also attaches to the side of the bassinet. So they can't roll and it's super safe, you know, because with, with a normal swaddle in a bassinet, like it's fine because most, lots of people do that, but they can kind of roll onto their sides which as like a helicopter parent freaks me out. Mm -hmm. So I like that it keeps them kind of flat and mm -hmm. attached and you know they're not, they can't move themselves into an unsafe position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to have to investigate that. So having a night nurse then, how does that work? If Does the night nurse come and pick up the baby out of your the, room? The baby sleeps in the room with the night nurse. Okay, so the snoo is in the room with the night right. nurse. Right, so we just, okay. before Sam moves this very heavy bassinet back and forth twice a day <laughs> from our room back to that room on the days that we have the night nurse. Got it. Which is good because you forget, like, I think one of the things you forget is how noisy newborns can be. So even when they're sleeping, they're, especially, you know, Owen's got some, some digestive stuff going on. He's grunting and kind of groaning and moving around and as a a new mom I think your senses are so heightened that you're waking up every time you hear this sound and you know they're not hungry it's not time to feed them but you end up getting like no sleep at all because you're you're waking up to every single sound mm -hmm. and meanwhile Sam's like sound asleep hasn't heard anything has no idea that the baby's made any noise but I think just as a mom you just you hear everything oh yeah and it wakes you up Absolutely, absolutely. And so what does it look like in terms of having the pump? So for me, my two kids before this, it's very different because I had to basically store all my milk because then I was on right. the road and not there. And I really That's wanted so hard. to. Oh, it was a lot. Like my, my freezer was just full, like right. stocked. And so this time... It's the first time I'm like a stay-at-home mom and having a baby, and I'm really excited for that. But it also makes me think, wait, so do I not have to store as much milk? Like, how does this go down? Because obviously, I'm going to store some, right, right, for other people to feed the baby, bottle feed mm -hmm. the baby. But I guess, what does that look like for you in terms of needing to store milk and pumping? Like, for me, pumping was, like, so important. Is this right. is that how it is for you or not as much? Um, it, it is and it isn't. I think... We've had one kind of hiccup, which is that Owen developed a milk protein allergy. So, and so I've stopped eating dairy, but it kind of stays in your system for three weeks. So all the milk that I had saved prior, which 
was a lot because your supply is a lot in the beginning is now like kind of useless to me until he overcomes this allergy. Like maybe, you know, when he's older, he can handle it. But I do, you know, when I have the night nurse, he has some formula at night because it's hypoallergenic and we're trying to, you know, keep his, his stomach a little bit settled. So, you know, because I still have dairy in my system because he's only a month old and I just stopped eating it a couple weeks ago. So I'll store that milk when I pump in the middle of the night. But it hasn't been, I don't think, a huge issue. I think you can, like, I remember with Ford, I would pump in the morning because I had a lot of milk, like, once he started sleeping more. And then that would just kind of be what I saved. But you really don't, you really don't need it so much if you're staying home with them. Yeah. So I think you'll probably be attached to your pump a lot less than you were before. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited for that. I remember, like, I, when I finally hung up my pump. I mean, I was in airports pumping. Oh, that's awesome. Really, I can't even imagine. Oh, you have no idea. And for anyone that is traveling with breast milk, by the way, like if I was bringing it back from where I was, they test the milk to make sure that it's, they actually, security, when you're going through security, they take your milk and they test it to make sure that it's milk and it's not right. some like explosive. And I'm like, I can't believe this is the world we live in. I know. And they then you're like, can you it? not touch that, please? Yeah, this liquid gold. They don't open it, but they like run it through some kind of explosive device scanner or something yeah it is a very it was very stressful (laughs) absolutely was yeah Yeah, I think that'll be a lot easier for you this time around because it is I I think pumping's terrible I hate it I find it painful and everyone tells me it shouldn't be painful but it is painful for me and so I I have a terrible like opinion of it because I just really don't enjoy doing it but I think for you it'll be so much better this time to just yeah, on the go. And not need that. Well, and the other thing is that I want to try and nurse for like a year this mm-hmm. time because um, Carter had, he had gotten his teeth really early at three months. Ugh. So at like uh-uh. six months, he like bit me yep. and then I freaked out and then he didn't bite me again for like another two months and then he bit me and I'm like, we're done. Uh huh. And then with Charlotte, like same thing, traveling, I was just across the country and everything. So, I mean, I think I made it to about eight months with them. I mean, you know, with my stored milk too, right? Right. But being away from your baby, your milk supply dips so much and I would work so hard to keep it going. But like, you know. And the stress, I think too, I've heard can really lower your supply. So, you know, the more worried you are about not having enough, the harder it is to produce. Absolutely. It's so true. And I would take all these, you know, just, I would do all the things to keep the milk supply up. Right. So how, how long do you plan on nursing or how long were you able to nurse before is that a goal of yours you're just kind of like how do you feel about it I actually had a really terrible breastfeeding experience with Ford he had like a a ton of issues from like a really recessed chin to like a high palate to a tongue and a lip tie he also had the milk protein allergy and terrible reflux and I was in so much pain because he wasn't able to latch properly pretty much ever so, and I mean, I, I was a crazy woman. I had a lactation consultant once a week for four months. I did osteopathy. We saw an osteopath. We got craniosacral therapy on this baby. We were, you know, we got a tongue and a lip tie release done by a pediatric dentist. Like I jumped through so many hoops to try to feed him and breastfeed him. And we, I would be nursing and, you know, he wasn't able to get enough just because of the way that his mouth didn't function properly. 
So every time I fed him, I would nurse and then I would pump and then I would supplement him with the bottle of the pumped milk for the beginning. And it was just, it was terrible. And at four months, and I was in so much pain every time I was like crying, latching him, like crying, pumping because it was just so sore. And I went to my four month appointment for, for Ford and I broke down crying in the pediatrician's office. And I was just like an unhinged woman. And the pediatrician looked at me and she was like, you have to stop. Cause I told her all these things I was doing. And she was like, okay, you've gone a little far. And she gave me a sample of formula and she was just like, you have to stop this. Like you've made it four months. You've done so well, but like it, it triggered a lot of postpartum depression for me and it was, it was awful. So this time I kind of, I've given myself like a six week, like try to do it for six weeks. We're still having some of the issues that Ford had with Owen, but not nearly as bad. So it's, it's not as painful for me, but you know, I'm willing to do formula a little earlier. We're doing some at night. I'm not like putting so much pressure on myself that like this has to work. So we're, you know, kind of trying to sort out some of his issues. He has the tongue and lip tie as well, but also just being like, okay, once this gets to a point where I feel like it's affecting my mental health too much, I'm just going to, you know, call it a day because I let it get so bad with Ford that I was just, you know, almost not even capable of being a mom because I was so like depressed and I was just like, this has to work. I cannot accept that I will not be successful at breastfeeding. Like it has to get better and it just wasn't going to. Oh my God. That like makes me want to cry. I feel so bad for you, the state that you were in as if, you know, being a new mom, especially your first baby and like all all that stress. And the pandemic was going on. So I wasn't like going out and seeing friends and it just compounded. That must have been so hard. Yeah, it was was not good. I love that you gained that perspective. And I mean, look, our kids, you know how they say colostrum is enough at first for the baby? Right, yeah. For my kids, it never is. So I had a similar situation, but it was like day four of having Carter. And then Mm -hmm. I just already knew with Charlotte that I didn't, the colostrum was not enough. Right. And I was like, you know, we're all taught like, oh my gosh, you have to breastfeed. And when the doctor said, try some formula because he had been up all night. Right. I was like, no. He's like, it won't ruin your breastfeeding experience. Don't Mm -hmm. worry. And so we gave him formula and he fell asleep for the first time in like days. And so yeah. So I have no problem to your point supplementing also. And I didn't have like a wonderful milk supply, but again, Mm -hmm. I worked really hard at it, but it is so stressful. It really genuinely is so stressful. And I just love that you finally like gave yourself permission to be like, it's best effort, you know, if it works great, but not over your mental health. I mean, when is enough enough? Yeah. You know, I think in our, in our parents' generation, like their moms or our parents, all the older generations, they were like doing drugs when they were pregnant. Like, (laughs) and I mean hard drugs, like not just like a glass of wine and they're fine. We're all fine. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's fine. So I just love that you can kind of reflect on that and be like, it's fine. It's a best effort. We'll try and troubleshoot where we can and we'll just reevaluate as we go. And I think that's the healthy way to approach it because for you to have to go through that and, you know, have basically postpartum over it, you know, 
on top of everything else with the pandemic. So you had just delivered him right in time, right before yes, COVID so, was officially out. Yeah, basically two weeks after he was born, the whole world kind of shut down. Oh my gosh. Which ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise for us because Sam was home so much. Mm. And otherwise he would have started traveling like pretty soon after I delivered. But it was also such a strange time to be a new mom. You know, my sister had delivered a couple months after you, and what I noticed, and I wonder if your experience now will be different, is for all of you guys that delivered right around that time, like pre-COVID, and then into COVID, like the height of it, you guys didn't get to go to like the baby and me classes or have any of that like social outings, which even if it's once a week, it's just... It's it's so nice to connect with women that are like oh, yeah. not sleeping like you, mm-hmm. struggling like you. It's just like validating. And for you guys to have to have missed all that, like, do you think that that's going to change for you this time? Are you going to try and connect or are you not, are you comfortable yet? Or how does that well, go right now? I think it's kind of strange because I think for the most part, you don't really go to as many of those things once you already have another baby, you know? So once you have this toddler, I think maybe women are like, okay, I've been through this before or what are you supposed to do with this not even two-year-old while you're going to this? So I there's a there's a mom group around here that I'm a part of that I haven't obviously gone back to since, since Owen was born just because he's so little. But I, I'll try to do that. But it was definitely, I think, hard to miss out on that part of it. And I, I actually was part of a Zoom mom group, which was so much better than nothing. But you didn't you know, you didn't make these friendships that you thought you were going to make as a new mom. And I also think that now for me, I don't know how to take a newborn baby anywhere. So I'm so paranoid that I'm like, I can't leave the house with a newborn because I never did it during COVID because no one was going anywhere that like, now I'm like, okay, I have to, people do take their babies to the grocery store. And here I am thinking I can't do that. Yes. So it's a little bit like I don't have the confidence maybe with leaving the house, which sounds so stupid, that I might have had if I didn't have a pandemic baby. That is fascinating. And it makes perfect sense though too. And you know, with both of my kids, just I was so afraid to take them out. This is pre way pre-pandemic. And so I maybe it's just not out. a pandemic thing. <laughs> maybe it's just no, a mom thing. No, I think thing. it's heightened. I, I think it's definitely even more so probably like if the pandemic was going on, I definitely would feel the same way. And with this baby, I probably won't take the baby out too much because, you know, there's weird stuff floating around and right. they have no immune no system. No immune system. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I'm going to join any of the mommy and me groups. I think I'd like to, but it's just, I don't know. I'm going to have to see how I feel about you know, this virus going on. It's just such a, it's a weird time. Right. And even not COVID, you know, you have RSV, you have all these things to worry about and you're just like kind of weighing everything. Like, okay, is it really worth it to go to Costco if Owen gets really sick? So it's kind of, it's a little bit of an isolating time when you, you do need that, that mom group support. You do need you know, to commiserate of like, oh my gosh, is your baby going through this sleep regression? Which, you know, I was lucky enough to have via text with my mom group with Ford, but this time it's just kind of, you know, talking to your friends that also have had babies, even if they aren't in the same, you know, exact place that you are, they at least understand from before. Um, But, you know, it is so important to have that community when you have a newborn because you feel like 
no one understands and it's just such a strange time. It is because you're not sleeping and also every baby is different, Mm -hmm. you know, and your baby could be easy and your baby could be okay. And it just, and it also changes so fast. Oh yeah. So like, it's weird because, so I call the first three months of having a baby, the dark period, because you're not sleeping, you're figuring out your baby and you don't really remember it after it's done. No, you don't (laughs) at all. It's It's so weird. Blackout. It's weird. It's like, I I'm convinced it's the only way we'll procreate again. (laughs) Yes. I've had that same conversation with people. It's like, if you remembered, you wouldn't do it again. No, exactly. So you're in the dark period, which is why I was so excited for you to come here. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to come here. I wonder if she even slept. And it's funny because the first month is one thing, but then it's almost like as the baby gets into two months old, three months old, four months old, you start getting into a whole different phase of their journey. Mm -hmm. It's changing so quickly. So yeah, it's just like the night nurse we're going to bring back. I know now, like the first time I I had a night nurse, Mm -hmm. it was, I had hired her for like the first two to three weeks. Right. Because you think if you can just get through that period, they'll be fine or you'll be in a rhythm and you're not. We'll get the routine down. Yeah. There's no routine. (laughs) There's no routine. There's none at all. Well, I was laughing because last week you're like, oh my, I'm like, how's the night nurse? And you're like, oh, you know, she's great. And she's helping us with this and that. And the only thing is that she's supposed to be done next week and I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm like thinking, oh, this is not, that is way too early. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you end up doing? You're hiring somebody else to so, help you? So yeah, our, our night nurse that we've had, um, you know, a few days a week couldn't continue with us, but we found someone else that could. And we're going to go through the end of January and hope that, hope that that's enough. And we're so fortunate to, to have that because I have a lot of friends who don't. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I would do with, my toddler if I wasn't getting some sleep. But, you know, I, I certainly think that even though we had had a baby before, Sam and I both were like, oh, by, you know, by a month he'll be sleeping whatever stretches and it will be manageable and that's definitely not happening. No. So we have extended and maybe it will keep me sane. So how quickly did you introduce the bottle? We started – with a bottle, actually in the hospital this time, because, you know, with Ford, they, because we wanted to preserve breastfeeding, we were like syringe feeding Mm -hmm. to supplement, Mm -hmm. which was really tedious and not fun. And so I got to the point, I think night two, where it was so painful trying to latch Owen as, as you remember, I'm sure the the beginning when you're the first two weeks of breastfeeding is just kind of hell. And so for one or two of the night feedings, I was just like, you know what, bring, bring the formula in. Like, I'm not going to try to pump because I know that's going to exaggerate the pain that I'm already feeling. And so we, we did a little bit of it in the hospital. And so probably day two, I would say. And it went, it went well. Good. That's so great. The best nipple cream that I used was Mother Love. And oh, it yes. Was in the so good. White and pink. Yes. Tin. Yep, we have that. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was like amazing. How far along were you when you delivered? Like, what, I was, what was your labor experience? Like? I was 39 weeks, two days with both my kids. Wow. I actually um, I induced both of them. Oh, you did? I which didn't was, realize that. That was something I always said I would never do, as, uh-huh. as you do as a parent. There's so many things you're never oh, going to yeah. do. 
And with with Ford, my doctor was concerned about how big he was, and then he didn't end up being that big. And with Owen, I just I had so much anxiety about like not having family live close. And what am I going to do if I go into labor in the middle of the night and I don't have anybody to watch my toddler and, like, I have to go give birth alone without Sam because I've – which was probably such a small percentage. But I talked to my doctor and she was like, well, like, you can induce, like, which I know is easier for them. So they kind of push it. So we did that. And I was – I tried all the things to send myself into labor. We were going on our – labor induction walks, which didn't work. (laughs) You know, I was bouncing on the ball and eating the spicy food and doing all the things that don't work. And anyone listening who's pregnant will probably try them anyway, but they don't work. So I went in and I I, I think they could just start me on Pitocin because I was, you know, dilated and effaced enough. I didn't need the first, the first pill. And it was, it was pretty smooth. I went in at like 10 a.m., and they started Pitocin, and I delivered at, like, 11 p.m. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it wasn't – my first experience was a little longer, my first induction, and, you know, I spiked a fever and some things went wrong. Not not terribly wrong, but just it wasn't the most pleasant. And this one was actually – it was pretty smooth. I got the epidural earlier because I didn't try to – you know, I thought I was going to be induced on Pitocin with Ford and then still not – get an epidural, which was a joke. So yeah, I got the epidural around 8 p.m. And things progressed really fast. They actually had to turn the Pitocin off because my doctor wasn't there. And I kind of, I called the nurse in. I was like, I'm feeling some pressure. I don't know. Like, I know you just checked me. She was like, oh my gosh, you're at 10 and the head is right there. Do not push. Like, stay still because your doctor's not here. And I, so I could have had Owen probably half an hour earlier if my doctor had been there and I was kind of like, can't, can we just, you're a nurse. Like, can we just get this thing out? Cause I don't know that we need the doctor. I pushed for five minutes. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. That sounds glorious. Cause with Ford, I pushed for an hour and a half, which I know is not even bad, but to me felt bad. Cause I'd been up for like, you know, you've been awake for like 26 hours. You have no strength. You haven't eaten. You feel like if you feel like you can't even get the baby out, that's how I felt with Ford. And with Owen, it was, it was great, honestly. And I was so scared beforehand. I would tell Sam every day, like, I can't do it. I can't give birth again. And like, I know there's no choice because it's a little late now. But I would tell him every day, I was like, I don't think I can do this again. Like, I can't. What was, what was scaring you the most about it? I think the pain. Because even with Ford, I had the epidural, but it like, I don't think technically they're supposed to wear off, but I felt a lot when Ford was coming out. Like I, my doctor actually like yelled at me to get me to do the final pushes because I was like, I can't do it. Like it's too painful. Like I can't. And she was like, push. And literally screaming at me to get him out because it hurt so bad. And I imagine it would have hurt so much worse had I had no pain medicine in me at all. But I just, I was terrified of the pain. I was terrified of the, you know, the aftermath. Postpartum recovery is not fun. And I just, I didn't think I could do it. Wow. And that was a different hospital, right? Because you were in Santa Monica at the time. Okay. And so your doctor was also different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Man, I love that epidural. I don't know why women, I mean, again, I I don't come from a place of judgment, like very much to each his own, but I got to say, it's kind of, this is how I equate it. 
for anyone that's wondering about it. It's like, it's kind of like if you have a migraine, right? Like it's a terrible pain going on. Mm-hmm. No one, like, does it matter if you take the Advil now versus in three hours and you just suffered? Like, right. wh- what is the value there? Why? Why? Now, listen, some people, they, for them, it is very important to have like a non-drug, mm-hmm. like a drug-free birth for their own reasons. And I respect that fully. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, I'm not getting a medal. I just want it out. My birth plan is get it out. Right. And let me tell you, with Carter, I was induced also. 28-hour labor, you know, very much like what you're saying. Like not – I mean, it it was controlled, but it was long. Yes. You know, that's the thing. It's long. And with Charlotte, I actually went into labor. I was so happy because I wanted to feel like what are those labors pain, right. labor pains feel like. And – Man, when your water breaks, that's when it hurts. And so I was screaming. It was like a movie. And Brian was like running through the halls at Cedars like, we need – because it's like 3 in the morning. My wife needs an epidural now. And, you know, as soon as those angels come in with that wonderful drug, Mm -hmm. they're like the sweet angels sent directly from heaven. Oh, yeah. I don't know. People are so afraid of the epidural. I'm like, I'm afraid to not have the epidural because that's the scary thing. And I was a little bit too just because you know – what that needle looks like. So yeah. that's what I that's what I told Sam before we had Owen. Oh, I was like, once I get to the point of pain where the epidural needle doesn't scare me anymore, that's, that's when we're what... going. And that hit me about 8 p.m. that time. I was like, these contractions are awful. And, you know, Pitocin contractions are different than natural contractions. They kind of just hit you a little harder. You don't get any relief or so I'm told. Um, and it was awesome. And I think – I, th- I had always heard that if you got the epidural, it would kind of stall your stall your labor. Yeah. And so I was like – with Ford, I was like, okay, well, I can't get this epidural because, you know, I'm not really dilating and it's going to stall it. But actually, I think it relaxed me enough to where it could progress faster because I wasn't so tense and like in all this pain. Yep. And with my second, it was, you know, things happened faster and it was – It was honestly a great experience because I remember after having Ford, I was so exhausted that when they were wheeling me to the recovery room, they asked if I wanted to hold him. And I was like, I I can't. Like, my arms cannot hold this baby. I'm so weak. And so I think that made me a little bit scared to deliver again, too. And it was such a better experience this time. I felt so much better afterwards. And it was just great. And I'm I'm so glad I didn't, you know, go through 13 hours of holding off on the epidural this time. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm very into the epidural. Oh, it's – I would I, – I always thought I would have a natural, natural birth because my mom really? did. And I was like, I can do this too. And I can't. I cannot do it. You know, one of my girlfriends, she did it and she missed the epidural. And she called me like hours afterwards and she's like, Kimberly, it was – the pain was like at like it was a hundred. Like she she sounded traumatized from and it. That's how I even with the epidural, that's how I felt after my first birth. I couldn't even talk about it. I was just wow. like, this was awful. I hated this so much. I'm like too weak to hold my baby. I don't know what has happened to me. Like I just thought it was the worst. And wow. so I can't imagine how it would have been if I actually did it 
drug-free. Yeah. Oh, way worse. And I think women do forget about it. But yeah, I mean, listen, shout out to the moms that can do it and mm-hmm. good for them. But for me, it's not my journey. Again, no judgment. No. But <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait. That's like my only part of my birth plan is like give me double of the drugs that you're serving that day because I do not want to be suffering. I just want to hold my baby. I want a safe, healthy baby. And I want it to be like not traumatic if possible. And pain-free afterwards. Yes. Because you know, when my epidural wore off or whatever happened with the first one, I, you're so focused on this pain that you're feeling that you're not as focused on like your baby. Yep. And so for me, I think that was really important this time to be like, okay, I had a, a much easier birth because it was my second, because I got, you know, the epidural sooner, because I wasn't in pain afterwards that I feel like my my bonding experience in the hospital in those days, you know, after was so much better. Yeah. So would you say this time around postpartum wise, you're feeling a little bit better? I mean, look, I know that you're yes. not sleeping. <laughs> right. Tell us, how are you sleeping? Like, how is it going down? Give me like a, a night in the world of, of your life well, right now. On the days that we are fortunate enough to have the night nurse, I'm just waking up to pump and then the night nurse is bottle feeding, which is such a blessing. What time do you have to wake up to pump? Um, I do it around like 10 p.m. and then I do it at like 1 in the morning and then at 6. So I actually probably should be going a little, you know, I might start to lose my supply with that schedule, but as as for now, it's working. So that's, I mean, as far as having a one-month-old, that's incredible sleep. On the nights that we don't have a night nurse, it's, you know, <laughs> the first, like, the first stretch of sleep, he'll sleep, like, maybe two, three hours. And then after that, he's up every two. So by the time you feed and burp and hold up and change the diaper and put them back in their bassinet, he's not sleeping longer than one hour stretches. So from, you know, tw- midnight, 1 a.m. onwards, I'm getting, like, maybe two hours. So it's it's terrible. Oh my god! And are you sleeping when the baby sleeps? Are you up with well, Ford? What's I'm going up on? With Ford. So that's the part that you don't realize, which I'm sure you remember, is you think it's so bad after your first one, which it is because you've never done it before. So everything is new and overwhelming. But once you have this toddler, you know maybe I can sleep during Ford's nap, but his nap never seems to coincide with Owen also sleeping. That's just like when Owen wants to be awake. So it's there's there's not a lot of sleep happening. Oh my god, I'm not looking forward to this. No, <laughs> I, I think that's the hardest part because you can you know when you're pregnant, I'm sure you're not sleeping well at all. In your third trimester, you're up all the time, and you kind of think to yourself, okay, this is preparing me for baby. But there's such a difference between like waking up and having to you know use the bathroom or just laying there thinking, as opposed to like I have to actually get up and care for this baby right now. Yep. And I can't drag myself out of bed. Yeah, for sure. And so you don't have any help during the day. So we have, we do have kind of like a babysitter nanny that helps for a couple hours in the morning, but she has been on vacation. So we've actually like, she's here today, which is how I'm here without Ford. Um, But she's not here the rest of the week. And it's, it's tough because when you're trying to nurse a baby and you have this not even two-year-old, you know, I have, I turn the TV on. I feel like such a bad mom because I'm like, okay, come watch Frozen or else you're going to destroy my house while I'm trying to nurse this newborn. So that part's really hard. 
Oh, don't feel bad because when I was working and we were in the height of the pandemic, one of the girls that has like three kids, one of the women that I work with, she's like, oh, Anna and Elsa have been my best babysitters. <laughs> oh, it's it's true. It's amazing. Ford won't watch many things, uh-huh. but Frozen, Frozen does it for him. Yes. I love Thank Frozen goodness. too. I know. And Carter loves it as well, by the way. So it's definitely good because it's for boys and girls. So did Ford have any reaction or is he too young? Because my kids were way too young to have any like, oh, this is your sister. How cute. Like we didn't have that. I think he he had a little bit. Like we got a baby doll to practice, Uh which was both good and bad because now he thinks he can pick this baby up the same way he can pick (laughs) his baby doll up by the foot, which he can't. I think it's starting to hit him a little bit more now. In the beginning, my mom was here for two weeks and, you know, she's a former – first grade teacher. So she's like the best with kids, constant activities, crafts. Like it was probably better than Ford having me. Like he was so happy. And then she left and my mother-in-law came. And so Ford was getting all this attention. And now that it's kind of back to normal, he's a little clingier, a little whinier. You know, he's pretty indifferent about the baby. He'll go pat him on the head. Or say, "Uh uh-oh, if the pacifier comes out. But I can start to sense a little bit of like, okay, he's feeling neglected by mom and it's making him clingy or cry or, you know, just a little bit different. Yeah. Well, two under two is definitely the hardest. Yeah. Not sure why we did that, but here we are. Oh, don't worry. We did it too. You you did it even harder than we did because how close are your kids? 16 months apart. So I got pregnant again at seven months postpartum. And it's also hard to take care, which I'm sure you're still feeling. It's hard to take care of other kids when you're in your third trimester and you're big and like Mm -hmm. you can't really lift them as easily or you don't have the energy to – play with them or getting up off the floor takes, you know, a lot well, longer really than it used two to. babies. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I can speak for my son. Carter was not – he was 16 months old when Charlotte came around. He couldn't – he wasn't potty trained. Right. By the way, thank God our nanny had gotten him potty trained very early, right before he was two, which was fabulous. But, you know, they don't have words. Like, they're they're babies still. You yeah. Know, but they're mobile babies, so they're even harder. And then you oh, have yeah. a newborn – And, you know, when they're not really walking and talking and they're really not self-sufficient, it's so hard. But I will say it's going to pay off because now the kids, like, completely entertain each other. Right. And I could be totally off doing my own thing or, you know, it's just – it's very different once they get to be about three or four. Mm Mm-hmm. You're like home free because they're out of the house, even if it's just a couple days a week. See, even baby Owen is excited. Yes. And they're like little best friends. And that's how your boys are going to be. And it's going to be what the everyone cutest tells me. thing. That's what I'm, I'm banking on. You will. I mean, you're going to pay for it up front, but then it mm-hmm. pays off like big time. I mean, during the pandemic, I'm so happy I had the two kids and that they were close in age and they could play together and... It's like having your built-in best friend all the time. And uh, they fight a little bit, but it's not right. really like – I thought they'd fight way worse, to be honest. And okay, they just, They're insanely obsessed with each other. Like, Carter is so proud of his sister, and Charlotte is obsessed with him, and they're just the cutest. Like, they say the funniest things together, and yeah, it's this is definitely going to be the hardest part. Mm-hmm. I thought initially – I was like, okay, just the first year will be hard. And that's so funny to be like, oh, just the first entire year – until like Owen's walking and he's just a little less fragile but 
Now I'm hearing it's more like the first two years are tough and then it gets better. Yeah. And listen, if you can hire someone to help you just so that you're not as stressed out, it's worth it. I mean. Oh, yeah. I think that's how I feel about the night nurse. I'm like, I would rather get no Christmas birthday gift, not go on any vacation for the next three years, then not have this night nurse. Yep. I think it's just kind of your own mental health insanity. And it's just, you know, you don't need the help for that long once they're in school. You're kind of home free. But for now, it's it's good to have a village around you. It is. It is. Oh, oh my gosh. Apparently, he doesn't want to have a village. <laughs> oh, he, he loves his village. I'm so glad he's making little baby noises so everyone realizes that he, he is literally here. is here. And I was hoping he was going to make his cute little baby noises. He's like such a little old man, by the way, little Owen. He is so cute. He's so wrinkly. I die for him. Like, he's like the cutest baby. He just is in her little, is that a baby Bjorn or what is it? This is the Artie Pop. Oh. It's very chic. There's like. It's the fancy one. Oh, it's gorgeous. I recommend. Okay. When someone throws you a baby shower, hint, someone needs to get you the Artie Pop. The Artie Pop? Yes. Artie Pop. Okay. There's like, it looks like there's jewelry on it almost. Yeah. And they have really fun patterns. Uh I, as you can tell, really like black. Yeah. Um, But they have like a denim one that's really cute that one of my friends has. And they're just, they're really comfy and they're. It's a good one. Is it easy to put on? Because I remember yes. being so intimidated by This that. one is easy to put on. Because I have like, the, you know, the Solly baby wrap that I, I had that one on the other day. And that one's a little more complicated. But when they're newborns, I think it's better. Um, but this one's so easy. I wear it around the house all the time because oh my gosh, this is how we get Ford down for his nap is by wearing Owen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think I'm going to have to get that one because it's cute. There's like gold metal hardware on it. Like it's it's like chic. It's cute. I'll send you the link. And he's so happy in there. Oh, yeah. And Ford hated carriers. I'm so happy that – I mean, Owen has no choice because I have to get things done, but he's so much better in them. Oh, my gosh. He is so cute. I'm so happy for you and Sam. Congratulations. We're so excited. Do you think you're going to have any more? I'm asking you this as you're like – I've always wanted three. And when I was pregnant with Owen, I I don't love being pregnant. And I'm so fortunate to be able to be pregnant and have healthy babies, but – I just don't like it. I don't think it's fun. I hate not feeling like my body is my own. And so when I was pregnant with him, I was like, okay, we're we're done. And, you know, when he started to have the reflux and the milk protein allergy and the fussiness, I was like, for sure, this rules out the third baby. And then you're kind of like, well, I don't know. Maybe I do want another one. But I would wait longer for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. You're young. Aren't you – how old are you? I'm almost 30. I turn 30 next month. Oh, happy birthday. Wow. Gosh, you, you've gotten so much done before you're 30 already. Well, yeah, you have plenty of time then. Yeah. I look at like what you're doing with your kids are a little bit older. They're so excited for baby sister. You know, you, you're not going to worry about them breaking every single thing in your house while you're, you're nursing or like electrocuting themselves. And I think that's the way to go with number three. Yeah, I think I agree. I Ideally, I really did want them two years apart, like all of them. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen for us, as you know. And, you know, now I see how it's actually a blessing because 
It's just so much easier. The kids are out of the house from eight to two. Right. Next year it'll be eight to three. It's kind of like it feels very calm in here. Yeah, like doesn't right feel now, like this in my house. No, I know that. I know it doesn't feel that way in your house. You can come here by the way anytime and have a little like, drink or a nap. See you at eleven. <laughs> I'll be on your couch. Absolutely. I, I'll just let Sam know that you're safe. Um, but yeah, well, anyway, I am so happy for you and thank you for coming. Of and course. thank you for even joining us during the dark period. That's like super stellar that you were able to muster yourself up and, and walk next door. And walk next door and like put on makeup. Not that you need any makeup and um, just really share this. And yeah, I'm just so happy for you guys. Thank you. And we can't wait to see yours. I know. So soon. And then we can start like being the moms that are walking with our strollers Mm -hmm. together. It's going to be so cute. It'll be so fun. They're going to be like little boyfriend and girlfriend. I know. I'm waiting on that. I think (laughs) that's going to happen. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again same time same place next week.